Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. The stage 11 of the Vuelta España. Second stage after the first rest day from Antequera to Valdepeñas to Jaén. 134Ks long. We have... One categorized climb, the Puerto de Locubin, 9Ks at 5%, which crests 8Ks before the finish. And then the final climb is a ramp. There is a 25% pinch in this. It is pure puncher territory. It's like 800 meters, 25% pinch or something. It's outrageously steep and gets quite narrow. Here with Benji, as always, and supported by our show partner, Lacole. Benji... We talked about Roglic ad nauseum yesterday. We he lost the jersey, which we we didn't have a problem with. But then it was funny to see they took upon the responsibility of pacing the break very very tight today. In a stage, I thought it was going to be a break win for the likes of Bagioli. Yes, certainly we had a breakaway, including Lastra, Boo once again, Jean Boo, the guy from Oiskaltel, Magnus Court Nilsson once again. Already a stage win already on uh, the first week. We've got Harm van Hooke and Edward Blancard in this breakaway. Not necessarily the strongest breakaway, but the thing about it is Kort is in it, so that makes it instantly a bit more stronger than a normal breakaway of five. And whatever he does can can last a long while, but indeed Jumbo was one of the teams that instantly decided they wanted to keep it relatively short, and they were looking for the stage win if it comes down to that. And I think that other teams kicking it at roughly 80k before the line, like... Mike Exchange did play a role in that because uh, it might have gotten really close if it wasn't for other teams kicking in in this race. Bike Exchange helping out here as well, likely for the likes of Matthews on this type of finish, even though I feel like that's a, that's a no-go, these gradients for Matthews, personal guess. But um, next to that, we just had him pacing for a while and it would all really come down to the Puerto de Locubin, which is the, uh, the climb before the final wall to the line. and. That one has Magnus Court Nielsen basically dropping all the rest of the breakaway riders. Van Hook already dropped the descent beforehand. And the gap was roughly, uh, I think, uh, 30 seconds on the climb itself. And it was kind of playing around the 30 seconds on the climb itself. And I think people in the peloton started getting nervous. And we saw people trying to go for a bit of a move, trying to respond to attacks that they perhaps should not respond to. And people just... Also pacing, Movistar came in and paced for quite a bit of the climb. And we saw a move of the likes of Caruso on the climb. De La Cruz went for a bit of an adventure on the climb. Kreisbach as well, who decided yeah. to close down De La Cruz because he felt like the tempo in the peloton just kind of lowered a bit, I think, when De La Cruz went off the front. Then it was always surprising that the team who responded to Caruso and Kreisbach was in y'all's. And I don't know, it that felt surprising to me. And I don't know why they would do that. I don't, yeah, I don't know either. I think maybe they just want to stay in front, Ineos. I think they, 
I don't know, Benji. I like yesterday, why why Bernal was the one responsible for closing. Like, it's on Movistar now. If Roglic or someone goes, it's on Movistar. Or, hey, because the Ineos don't, you know, with Bernal and Yates' condition, they they got to lean on other people a little bit more. It's not on them to be the, the bosses. But I think Ineos, in my view, this is not a finish where they would have been looking forward to where they yeah. could gain a lot of time. I think there was a lot of go to the front, maybe slow the pace down a little bit. Um, or just, you know, I, I've, when they were pacing, court scap was not going down. And we saw that after the climb as well. I think Caruso was just trying to get KOM points at the end uh, of that <laughs> climb. So that, that's okay. fine for him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I feel a little bit bad for Damien House and in the bike exchange guys, frankly. I don't, I don't know who makes the call, but to take on the responsibility to pace on this, this stage with Roglic here in the Peloton. Is is asking a lot of those guys and Nieve, who's banged up, you know, has got cut on his face on the final climb. Yeah, they did a great job today, bike exchange. But yeah, I, I'm not sure Magnus Court gets caught without them, and uh, I just I just don't see where they think Matthews is a top two favorite for this stage. Even Cuyera, like that wasn't on them either. I know he did well, but it's on Roglic for that stage. And Roglic was we saw what happened there. But yeah, before we get to the final climb and Magnus Court once again. Word on our show partner, LaCole, who produced performance cycling apparel. If you're going to the change of seasons in Australia or midwinter, there's a discount code LRVWELTA20 for 20% off. If you're looking for winter gear, conversely, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, there's the lightweight summer collection. So there's a sale on at the moment as well. The LRVWELTA20 code applies in addition to already discounted items. So there's some outrageous deals to be had for LaCole items and thanks to look for supporting the podcast we turned one today the podcast we did i think britannia classic was our first podcast 2020 last year speaking of michael matthews who won that um and yeah look has been supporting us pretty much since the inception of the podcast so thanks to i guess we'll do a proper announcement we did on twitter i, I won't uh, interrupt the recap too much but yeah, Benji, Roglic, the favourite for the stage, probably at this point with Court at 30 seconds. Once we got into the valley and you saw Ineos pacing, I guess, I, I thought they were bluffing, so I didn't have a problem with it. And that was taken over by Jumbo Visma. And, um, yeah, I think, do you, I guess, do you think Ineos needed to pace there or do you think it's just a matter of they're trying to slow it down to take away bonus seconds from Roglic by Court winning? I felt like Von Barla was pacing enough to make it relatively close to court. And I feel like he could have paced a bit lower if his goal was to extend the gap and to let the seconds get away. Because for me, when I was looking at the final climb with the 25% gradients and just basically a, a Murduhui kind of climb, then you need 45-ish seconds if you're not Roglic at the bottom to survive that. Or 30 seconds if you're a really good rider. And that doesn't seem like it was going to happen. But yeah, if it's around 30 seconds, you're always a bit unsure on whether Court is going to make it or not. But I, I had my money on no for the majority of the time, to be fairly honest. Now, we did see indeed Yumbo coming to the front once again with a final kick in by a helper. I think that Baumann did a lot today, Omen as well. And uh, eventually that brought the gap down to 20 seconds just after the descent. And then we were set up to... Uh, to go on to the final climb. And I think it was Verona kicking in once again in the final few meters before the climb started, with Court having roughly 18 seconds left as he started the climb, which was one kilometer before the end. So 
yeah, the action was about to happen and it seemed like uh, Roglic was sitting perfectly in the fifth position. Exactly, yeah. It's a running, fast running, and then it got a right-hand corner, and then it gets crazy steep. Carlos Verona, remember, there's no Jakobs. Valverde's crashed out. Verona is being lent on so heavily by Movistar. Port's got 19 seconds, 18, 800 meters to go. We hit that right-hander. We see Mars going through first, but not attacking. He's just first wheel. Roglic starts pacing, and it's Sepp Kuss doing what we kind of suggested it might have been prudent yesterday if you wanted to attack, setting up the Roglic attack by Kuz launched this. Like, he put everyone, I think, on the limit. The guy was completely strung out. The road narrows. We see them almost catching up the court in the distance who gets onto the steepest part, 25% with 650 metres to go. Kuz finishes his pull and Roglic comes out of his wheel. And Marcy's trying to come over Roglic and anticipate it. And he's trying to jump ahead of Roglic because it narrows it significantly. Like the road literally goes to a third of what or a half of the width of it of what it was. Roglic swings really wide out of Coos uh, wheel, like three bike lengths width wide, and squeezes Mars in almost into that barrier. And Mars has to flick his elbow into him to protect himself. Um I guess uh, we, we are the sprint relegation police, but I, I think they're going like 10Ks an hour at this point. Luckily, Mars stays upright. And I think it did knock a bit of Mars momentum right there. He has to come back up to Roglic wheel and almost comes over him. Uh, so, yeah, what did you see there, Benji? Just a racing incident. They're all lovey-dovey after the finish. Yeah, I don't think that there's any harm in that one. I think that, sure, it's not ideal, but... Roglic was looking at the right while that is happening, so he clearly was not trying to like put Mars into the barrier and so forth. Sure, uh, there is no intent in the rules and so forth, but we'd be uh, we'd be going a bit far if we start judging this this move here. <laughs> Maybe we should do like, it on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I just like see the fire burn on Twitter. <laughs> no, I feel like uh, Mars was trying to get past and just before that road narrowed and he couldn't get through and. Eventually, just after the pinch happened, he was able to come past them, and that's where they started rocking next to each other, right? I know. It, it literally became a replay of the Cuyera stage that Magnus caught one, where he was only three, four seconds out of Carapaz with a K to go, and then they all started cat and mousing, and like he, he eventually was able to win the stage. I was like, is this happening once again? Uh, unfortunately, it was too steep today. Mars and Roglic were having a full-on conversation. They could see court about four or five seconds ahead of them. Gino made a really cost himself today. He, he went over his limit, I think, a little bit following the initial Roglic move, and then he'd finish 11 seconds back, whereas Haig is pacing behind. Lopez is always in the wheels behind. At 500 metres to go, he's able to sit in because Mars is ahead. So Haig is having to close. I think Maida maybe would have been better served being a bit steadier there. It levels off with like 350 meters. And still I'm thinking, is Cork going to ride away with this? Because they're looking over their shoulder, checking. It all comes back together. Bardet, Haig, Mars, Roglic. Mars is not going to, he's refusing to lead out Roglic. And we see Cork's got another nice, healthy gap at 250 to go. The camera angle changes and then it's flatter, not as steep. Mars is leading out Roglic. Draft matters here with 250 meters to go. And, yeah, perfect lead-up basically for Roglic. Hay gets gapped a bit off the wheel, leading out Yates and Lopez. And then Roglic does his patented surge or kick with about oh, 50 metres to go. It's kind of like what Alaphilippe did, or 75 metres to go, what Alaphilippe did to Roglic in flesh actually, where, yeah, it looks very, very similar. And Roglic wins this stage. 
I think about three seconds ahead of Enric Maas. Also, those bonus seconds at the line, remember. And Lopez comes out of Haig's wheel right at the end to take the four bonus away from him. Another two seconds behind Maas. Haig, two seconds behind Lopez on the same time as Yates, Bade, Vroshat, Nevlasov. Bernal loses 11 seconds to Roglic, four seconds to the Haig group on the same time as odd Christian Eichen, Guillaume Martin, Anau, and Maida. So actually, Kush lost a little. See, this is the cost, right? I'll let Benji talk about the stage finish in a second, but this is the cost of when you do the lead out. For Koos, he loses more time than he would have normally, I think, on 17 seconds. So that there is a cost when to maintaining second GC option when you're doing a good teammate job, which he did do today, Benji. But what do you think of this finish? I really love it. I love these kind of finishes. I love the Mudahui finish, but I don't love the uh, initial part of that Flesh Wallon stage. I feel like I found it relatively interesting how Mars was as strong as he was because on paper when you see this kind of finish you say Roglic just rides away and destroys everybody on the final uh on the final 500 meters because that's what Roglic usually does on this parkour but it seemed like Maz actually put in a really good kick after after because the the run in for Roglic there and I was surprised by that on previous years I wouldn't have given Maz that but I'm really happy to see that we've got a bit of a a rivalry going on and that it's closer than we would anticipate for this kind of finish is that on Roglic perhaps having some consequences from the crash yesterday or or I don't know I can't I have no clue why but I was expecting a tiny bit more of a gap today now obviously he does get the bonus seconds so that gives it seven seconds over Moss uh right now I think yes it's it's ten six four, and um Lopez finishes that on third which also gives him Bonus seconds over Haig, which plays a role for the podium, of course. But all in all, I feel like the gap perhaps looks closer together just because of the fact that they started playing rock, paper, scissors at 500 meters to go. And obviously, Maz lost that game because he had to chase down Magnus Colt Nilsson, giving out the lead out for uh, Roglic there. That's my, uh, my run through of the events, personally. But um, I love the finish. I'm happy that uh, we have some kind of contention that is not easily just Roglic storming to the line. Because uh, I want to have a very interesting last week. And uh, right now it's all relatively close together. Now, where's Matthews? Yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> not in 23rd. He lost 34 seconds. So that is a big miscalculation. You know, he's lost. It's not like he was close on this stage. So I'm, I'm not sure what. Yeah, not a great result. I feel a bit bad for the guys that worked all day. Chicone Benji. Losing 23 seconds on a punchy finish. It's a bit surprising as well. I guess maybe it's just the fatigue in the legs. I've got a question for you. Yeah. MVDP on this finish, yes or no? Yes. 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 Because <laughs> it's, it's like not that a, long. it's a double Strada Bianche road, it feels to me. Like twice the length. That's how it feels to me. And it's also relatively narrow in the same form. So, yes. I would say yes, but he'd have to hold on quite well on the climbs before. It's been a high tempo for the entire day. Sure, he's not a he's not a bloody uh I don't know, he's not a sandwich. So he should be able to do that relatively well. But uh yeah, I'm calling Vanderpool doing well on a parkour like this. But question Is De La Cruz the clown of the day? Attacking on the second last climb, risking himself in the descent, and then losing quite a lot of time on the last climb, losing two positions in GC as a consequence. I, I don't know what he was thinking. <laughs> Honestly, like, I thought he was just going to go for the bonus, Benji, the two seconds, and then go back into the group. <laughs> really? 
yeah. imagine if he goes for the two seconds. <laughs> well, like at least he then I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> mate. Listen, I'm, I don't know what these people are doing. Caruso jumped out. He's not going for GC. Just nabbed a couple of KOM points. It's fine. But yeah, I think yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answers to these questions, unfortunately. I um, mean, and we thought it was, I thought it was going to be a breakaway today. Um, I guess Roglic is still not in the red jersey, but it is funny that, yeah, they, they don't want the red jersey because they don't want all the responsibility that it comes with it, and then they, they pay it a lot today. But a good result, good stage win for Roglic. He got the job done after they worked today. And I guess we're overlooking the fact, I guess on these short finishes, Benji, he took 21 seconds on Bernal today. So you're like, oh, well, he took 30 on that big move well, yesterday. I personally don't consider Bernal competition for Roglic anymore. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's over. It's over for GC with victory, at least. I don't see it happening unless something crazy happens. But then I'm I'm saying Miles is looking way more safe if something crazy happens to Roglic. So he takes another, what does he take? Seven seconds on Enric Mas, which is a good result. Uh, Mas... I've never seen him riding this well, honestly. Punching like this on this sort of finish, I didn't think would suit him so well. Yeah, incredibly good from Enric Mars and then yeah, Lopez well, backing it up. Movistar is actually not doing as well as it looks because it seems like they had to make a choice, either go for GC or the team classification. And right now they're 15 minutes behind in the team classification on Ineos. It seems like the roles are completely reversed in this Vuelta with them losing the team classification right now from a from Ineos, who is unable to make it in GC this time around. I know, and I think, what if... Valverde's still here. Yeah, what if Valverde's still here on this sort of finish? He would have been absolutely lethal. What if Benoit Kosnifra was here? I think him or Woods or Dan <laughs> he Martin... He wouldn't have gotten would be... over the second last club, mate. Pretty true. That's actually... Uh, <laughs> might not have. <laughs> he actually might not have. Jeez. Um, Andreas Krohn did a good job as well, 17 seconds back with Koos. Like, he's a really, really good rider, one to watch out for. But, yeah, an interesting stage. And Roglic, this is what we thought, I thought his strategy would be on the, on the, all these finishes that suit him. Take some bonus. Take five, seven seconds on the road. Get yourself a handy, you know, 15-second gap. Do that a few times. And the TT at the end, it's almost it's an unassailable lead with very little risk to your position so before anyway. we go to the next stage see philipson uh left the race today oh, which true. leads uh the points classification 180 points for jacobson roglic in seconds on 101 that's uh far behind and it's likely that jacobson will take points in at least one of the sprint stages from this point onwards there's perhaps a second sprint stage somewhere in the uh, next week so that could still play a role but i'm not so sure because that could just as well go to a breakaway ride but uh yeah philipson's gone and uh, Aramburu as well. So uh, Jakobsen's two biggest competitors for green. Is that what bike is changed your pacing for? Maybe. I can't. Mate, have been. he's on 70 points. He's 110 <laughs> points behind. I don't know. I uh, need maybe, to win uh, mountain stages. <laughs> or Brelli style. Just win every single stage. It's time to go. <laughs> Easy. Um, okay. St- stage tomorrow, stage 12. 175 k long. We have two climbs. This is similar to the Mike Wood stage that he won last year. This first one is 5K, 7%, uh, 7% then a false ridgeline like the Catalonia stage that uh, Leonard Kamner won from a breakaway. It's like a oh, – says it's 13K at 3%. That must be a lie. I think it's just like a short pinch at the end. And then there's a descent valley, and then there's bonus seconds, 3, 2, 1, and off on the second climb, which has got a steep section, 2Ks, 9.5%. 7.3 k's at 5.6 percent descent 
flat run into the finish, no punch here. This is the stage I thought for Matthews uh, would have been perfect to pace. I don't think Philipson is getting over that that climb at all. I don't know whether Bike Exchange will be motivated after today or, or what, but yeah, I think maybe just send him in the break as well. Send him and Stannard in a break with Schultz and you have a, a very, very strong options for this finish, both from a group or from attacking on that final climb. Uh, do you think Stora, the likes of DSM, will try and get in the break again, Benji, with Bardet, Stora, and try and, uh, you know, there is that 2K 10% bit on this last climb and, and do what he did basically yesterday? Well, on a serious note, I do believe that Stora still has the opportunity of winning a stage in the next uh, in the next week and make it three, which would be, uh, I wouldn't even remember who did that the last time from breakaways. So uh, that's very intriguing. Now, um, Friday's in the breakaway. He certainly could go in the breakaway. There's plenty of other options, though. This is the kind of breakaway stage that reminds me of the one Conrad won in the Tour de France. And uh, this could become a, a rather boring stage from the point that the breakaway is made until we are on the uh, second last climb or the first last climb if we see uh, people going pretty long in the breakaway itself. I, um, I'd be surprised if Matthews just don't put somebody in the breakaway instead of pacing because Matthews is on... 70 hours in the GC, he might as well just attack and go in the breakaway. Yeah, I think so. That's what EF do. The EF strategy is send court there and then the rest of the team gets to rest and recover. I think send him with teammates. Schultz looked very good again today on the climb. Um, I think that's the best option, to be honest. And I think I'm going to be, might be proven wrong. I don't really see GC action on this stage unless Roglic decides he wants to do an attack on the climb and then a descent attack. Um, not happening yeah. I believe that <laughs> mate Addy Engels he's got no control he said he, listen he said Addy Engels in the interview the DS is like when Roglic says he wants to do something what am I to say what am I to say even though I'm the DS <laughs> it's like it's literally your job man to say what what's it to do that's literally <laughs> it's like people, you, we, I turn on the camera Benji and then you know you're like, oh, I start up the stage and like what am I to say I'm only a podcast host <laughs> who am I to really talk about the cycling today <laughs> Okay, so riders for the breakaway tomorrow. <laughs> I would love to see somebody like uh, a Lopez or perhaps some Mikeys, but Mikeys might be a bit too close for that. Just uh, JP Lopez, here? Juan Pedro Lopez. I'd like to see him go in the breakaway and take nine minutes and take the red jersey from Viking. That's a good call, yeah. Who here is like not a threat on GC that could take... Who's in that sweet spot? Yeah, Benji's right. Mikey, I'd love to see Maida. I'd love to see Bahrain try and get Maida yeah, in the Yeah, perhaps at the mountain stages, that fits better. Because I'm uh, not sure Yumbo would. What do you say? I don't know. Probably not because he's on seven minutes. Yeah, he's on seven minutes. I reckon I reckon try and get Gino in the uh, break. He's, he's on five minutes technically. Like we always oh, true, have to true, count true. Yeah. back the time that Iking is ahead. You know, but yeah, you're right. I think that the likes of Akalmajan will be in the breakaway. Perhaps it does felt for DSM, but I'm going for Trek Sigafredo. Holance, nah. What finish doesn't suit him like the flat nah. part, I think, doesn't suit him at the end. Um, those are names I'd be shouting out. Zagiris, I don't know. I feel like they're they're better off on the bigger mountain stages personally. But uh yeah, I don't know. Who are you picking? I um your man the man you would have picked has left the race. And do you even eat? Kirby said on commentary, eat. Benji's crying into his wheat bix because Aaron Baru's left. I don't even know if Benji knows what wheat bix is. 
Um, Isn't that like the uh, the cookies that they've got for children that... Not cereal, oh, mate. Yeah, okay. Get okay. with it. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly didn't know, okay? Um, Magnus Court? <laughs> yeah, I know you'll be... Nah, come on. We have, to, we have to say someone else, you know, but... Carlos Corona is winning this. He's my pick. Andreas Corona is mine, even Ooh, though today I, we, he rode 17 for 18th. That's the one. We've both gone Catalonia. Crone won the first stage after a long climb, and then a, he's actually quite quick in a reduced group. Big Luis on Sanchez. I've gone with Verona because he was second strongest after uh, Leonard Kamner chasing. They were attacking each other on the descent on the stage. Kamner won at Catalonia. So there are picks. We're thinking breakaway. We were wrong today, uh, but F it in is. The chat. It is what it is. Roglic won and he's looking good again. It's good to see that he's not banged up from that crash. It would have been a shame if that affected the race. Um, you know, I want to see them at full force in the mountains, see what Mass is capable of. But we hope you enjoyed this recap of Stage 11 of the Vuelta. We're going to have a quick preview and some recaps of the Simac Ladies Tour, which is a Dutch uh, six-stage race, if you include the prologue, in the Netherlands World Tour level. And we have a lot of hitters here, particularly the best sprinters in the world. So, yeah, I saw the start list. I was like, I have to focus on this with Norsgaard from Movistar, Lorena Vives, who's the quickest woman alive in road racing, Hosking Diedrichsen, Sarah Roy, uh, Mariana Voss as well, Kirsten Vild. So those names should all be familiar to you. And there's also even Demi Vollering uh, and SD Works. So stacked start list and um, it's uh, it's a – I'll throw to you for the parkour, Benji. I'm not allowed to do Benelux uh, parkour announcements anymore. Yes, I'm afraid that you'll have to do it with me. We've got the first stage. Well, technically not the first stage because it's a prologue, so it's not counted as stage one. We've got – a solid stage of 2.4 kilometers. It's a time trial, obviously, as a prologue. It goes from Ada to Ada, so it's around Ada, and it's pancake flat. And I think the majority of the profiles of this race are going to be pancake flat, knowing the parkour and the surroundings of the parkour of this race. But roughly uh, two minutes or a bit more performance, I'm guessing. Yeah, around that. It's um, But there's still fairly big gaps. Mariana Voss event won this. This was yesterday. And sorry, we, we do not do separate podcasts for men or women's prologues. Uh, they're under three kilometers. So, yeah, Voss won by five seconds out of Ellen van Wyk, who's a good time trialist. Ludwig third on six seconds, same time as Lonica Unikin. Remember, Lonica Unikin did well at the, late, uh, the Healthy Aging Tour. Yes. She's one to watch young rider for SD Works. Beavers on seven seconds, but a lot of these parkours are flat. So it's bonus seconds are really important. And even a five second gap on that prologue is important. Royce Benji, good time trialist. She got a medal, right? Did she get bronze or silver at the Olympics? Yeah, indeed. She got a, she got a medal at the Olympics, and that is his second medal, so silver. Yeah, right. um, <laughs> but obviously, you can't really compare the parkours, I think, because uh, we've got a long time trial versus a, a short prologue. So I'm guessing that it's more for the uh, riders that have a bit of a burst of like X amount of time. And therefore, you obviously sometimes see a time trialist do, a, a sprinter do very well on a prologue that is this short. Like in the past, Marcel Kittel with the men's cycling was a strong prologue rider because he had that strong bursts for X amount of time and that allowed him to do well in this kind of time trials. Surely in the longer time trials, he was not as good. And I think you've got the same here with the likes of, uh, well, obviously Mariana Vos did very well, but we also see Balsamo do relatively well in this 
in this prologue, and we see Ludwig, who's more than likely a explosive rider, also do well here. I think if you uh, take it across a longer parkour, that Ludwig might not end on the top three here. Yeah, I think so. I seem to remember Caleb Ewan doing well in when he was like 18 in these sort of profiles, prologue at Herald Sun Tour or something. So, yeah, that's a good call from Benji. It's really about the sprinters here. But then we're on to stage two, which it finishes on the Hardenberg, which I can't actually see any sort of rise on the profile, but it did go up a little bit at the end. Uh, on the, I know yeah, there's it's, like a. It's literally called Hardenberg, which. In English means hard mountain. <laughs> <laughs> I know mountain. Seven yeah. meters. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a bit misleading. It did look actually a little bit up, more uphill than that at the finish. I don't know if it's maybe just a visual deception. 135 k's long, pancake flat. It's going to be a sprint stage. One would think the sprinter's team's controlling for Vild, uh, Norsgaard, and uh, obviously Lorena Vibes for DSM. And we had a pretty strong break again with uh, Alison Jackson in it. And who else was in that break, Renji? Rostet was also in the breakaway for uh, FDG and I think another rider, but I honestly don't remember, not going to lie. No worries. So we had a similar situation to Norway the other week, which was just a lack of c- proper control. It was at a minute with 10Ks to go the gap. We see the sprinters' teams assembling. It's, poor, it's it's exactly like Norway, Benji. Valkar on the front. Poor old Valkar spending their whole team for Elisa Balsamo, who's very fast. We have no one – like everyone has multiple teammates. Movistar have multiple riders. DSM have multiple riders. And we don't see – like what we don't see is Valkar one rider, DSM one rider, and uh, Movistar, one rider, we, we just see like one train goes for a bit and they're like, why is no one helping us? And then it fans out across the road and then it's like another train starts to panic or we should pull. Is that Am I making that up or is that what you're seeing as well? I felt that as well and I feel like we've seen it both here and in the Tour of Norway as well, the Ladies Tour of Norway, where we saw the Peloton have similar behavior where the teams seem to be working in a bubble with themselves a bit more. And as a consequence, they don't seem to communicate too much with other teams who are also in with the same goal of trying to catch the breakaway and go for a final sprint. Now, in this race with Lorena Wibbis at the start line, I think a lot of people will look at DSM to do most of the work, knowing that she is just simply the best sprinter in the world on paper and uh, in actuality in the last couple of months as well, to be honest. And... We see that DSM goes to the front with one rider, one rider there, one rider there, but they never really set up a a proper chasing engagement. And when you're at 11 kilometers to go and there's four riders next to each other at the front without anyone properly saying, I'm going to chase this down with a gap of still 39 seconds, then I'm starting to get worried. And I started getting worried mainly because I saw the ladies tour of Norway and I've realized that they're likely going to fuck this up if it's still 40 seconds right now. And I was getting worried. Do you think that it's perhaps because they don't necessarily have a Tim DeClerc type of rider that we can immediately nah. think of? Because DeClerc doesn't do the last 10K dirty work. Yeah, it's it's more, it's more uh, a quicker guy like than that. I think it's what you said is that Lorena Vives is so strong that if DSM aren't willing to put in, uh, and present at the front, then if you're Norsgaard, who I, I saw had one or two around her, then she's like, am I really going to spend my team? Jumbo Wiesmer got Voss, yes, in the leader's jersey, but 
Voss not the favourite for this finish. She's already in the lead. She can just try and I think uh, she might have missed out on bonus seconds today. I, I think uh, she did, but yeah, I just it is on DSM, and we saw they failed to do that consistently at Tour of Norway or uh, yeah in Norway they for Costa Rivera and they um, yeah Costa I think Anderson there as well. So it's got Alison Jackson. The other side of the coin is Alison Jackson and uh, Mela Grosstet for FDJ. We're working seamlessly literally yeah. the whole way until like maybe the last 175 metres they finessed, which they didn't even finesse. They both won. I think <laughs> Jackson laid off a bit and then started a sprint and they sprinted side by side. So them working together the entire way because of that pressure of the peloton, they could see them, they were looking over the shoulder, how close they were, meant that they weren't going to catch them. And they didn't even come close to catching them, Benji. Like it wasn't even close, the mismanagement of this gap. And so Alison Jackson outsprints Gross Ted for the win. Lorena Veebs, we saw this with Rivera. And as I said, Anderson, I think winning the bunch sprints behind comes third, beating Voss by a bike length. I think she takes four bonus seconds, though. But what I want to mention, how does how would you feel if you were Veebs on the bus, Benji? Um Hearing that, seeing that five other DSM riders finished in the group with you. Well, I'd be a bit disappointed because if those people can finish in the group with you, then they have energy left to keep on chasing. And I think it's not necessarily the riders' fault that this happens. I think this is a DS decision, a DS decision that says, okay, we're going to go to the front at this point in the race. And they do that and it's too late to do so. Well, if you if you see that the gap is still two minutes twenty with roughly uh twenty five k to go, then you got to start thinking about putting someone at the front to keep hammering that gap. And when it's forty seconds at ten kilometers to go, then you need to have a proper chase set up and talk to other people in the peloton as well while your riders are already doing the chasing. Because if you just leave it there and you you kind of have a bit of a a contest with other people about how late you can get to the front, then try and win the stage then you're gonna miss the stage and that's how the breakaway wins although again like you said the break did work seamlessly together and they're not weak riders at all so it's definitely a deserved victory on their end but uh yeah this is dsm's race to lose flat stage like this and they do it so there's one team to look at in disappointment right now i think it's what benji said it is easier to manage a gap when it's larger and start to slowly bring it down with your riders than to say to probably five tired riders i need two of you now to like put 10 seconds in per kilometer and that's a much bigger ask in the last six k's i think yes management of the gap before is is easier and that's what we're not seeing but anyway uh, I love seeing the upset wins and I think it's also showing that there's riders who, I don't know, they, Alison Jackson for Live Racing, it's good to see them get opportunities to actually win stages like this from a breakaway and it's a contrast to the men's stages where like, you know, Torino Adriatico stage one, which is similar, you know, to this, it's like it's going to be a sprint. <laughs> it's going to be a sprint or maybe very rarely it's an attack. So, yeah, congrats to Alison Jackson. She actually goes into the leader's jersey, uh, according to PCS, by I think on countback. It's not, she's on the same time as Voss, but she's in the leader's jersey. And Vibas is on three seconds, Van Dijk on five seconds. Tomorrow's stage from Hennep to Hennep looks uh, exactly the Oh, no, it's a TT, Benji. So it's a 22K TT. 
who do you have for it? We've got Van Dyke here. We've got Royce, but she crashed actually in the run-in, so I don't know how she is. Um, but yeah, who do you who do you like to take time tomorrow? I've got Alan Van Dyke from this for this one. She had uh, a good time trial as well at the Healthy Aging Tour. That was one with a lot of wind and wasn't that stormy. Well, wetter, <laughs> if you remember. And uh, I think that she might just do that again, but it could come from other people as well. But she's my she's my main rider. I actually uh, would have said Royster as well in one of the top riders to do well here. But like you said, that crash might have cost her a bit. So uh, that's why on the X my call for this one. Lisa Klein, 25 years old on Canyon Shram. She's, I think, a bit better at like the 7 to 10K ones on that Healthy Aging Tour 14K TT. Benji mentioned Van Dyke put 40 seconds into her and then I think at the World uh, Olympic Games, although, I mean, very difficult, different weather conditions, she came 13th, uh, 2 minutes 50 back on Van Vleuten and Royce smoked her. So, yeah, Royce is the big, I think, the big danger for Van Dyke depending on her condition after that crash. What um, do you think about Norsgaard? Because I recall her doing a decent time true. trial at some point. Wasn't she, like, also good at the healthy aging tour? I think top five, let me take a look quickly. Yeah, fourth on that one. 15 kilometers though so a bit short shorter and she might be one of those riders that is better at the shorter ones knowing she's more of a sprinter but i still would expect her to do relatively decent in a race like this yeah i don't think she's a real danger um i think she'll definitely go full because she'll be trying to win this race overall uh but yeah i don't i i think van dyke and, and royce are the ones to be honest but that was a little preview and then recap of the uh simac tour ladies tour so far we've got yeah another tt and then there's some more interesting stages later with some more climbing uh after that tt and there'll be bigger gc gaps as well so given that the world is on we might have to do what we did at tour of poland and roll in the tt and stage three into one but we'll keep you updated on twitter atlanta and Rue cp with things like that day to day given that uh we're still running a pretty pretty threadbare outfit here at the moment but we hope you enjoyed this recap and indeed if you're listening on podcast players the recap of the Vuelta Espana stage 11 give us a like down below if that's where you're watching on YouTube or review on podcast players and we'll see you tomorrow ciao Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 